0: From Sally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up wake up, wake up. wake up! wake up! WarChant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One ball, corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark.
1: Wake up! What is up everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, Florida State Star Studded but with unselfish stars. How unique and cool is that? Wake Forest playing the mystery game at quarterback. And the olden days of college football passing us by soon. We reminisce. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. You also can find it on the internets over at cptallybar.com. You can place your order to go if you're in a rush. But the best part of Corner Pocket is like taking it all in, the atmosphere. The ambiance lunch specials Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Today, five piece chicken wings and French fries. Don't have to think about your side dish. Just going to go ahead and be like, hey, we got figured out. Our wings pair well with our fries. Five chicken wings, French fries, $8.99 from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And don't forget tomorrow, bingo night. Test your bingo skills to win drinks and prizes in hard, cold American cash. Marked bills, though. Marked currency. Just letting you folks know. Live show Thursday, Corey and myself, that'll be awesome. 6 p.m. Thursday, come hang out with us. That'll be your Friday podcast. And then tomorrow's show will be you folks letting us know what you want to talk about instead of us setting the, the agenda. It's called Renegade Express. Head to the com. post your questions. It's Corey's favorite program, so bring your heat. Bring the best questions you have. We'll do an entire show based around it. Five-star rating and review. Thumbs up. Please subscribe to YouTube, our channel, TV, and WarChant.com. There's all the good stuff's hidden. All the good stuff. Corey Clark, he's not hidden. He's in plain sight, everybody. What's up, big guy?
2: What's up, buddy? How are you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing well. How about yourself?
2: Uh, I can't complain. You know, it's a beautiful day on Tuesday. Mm. The weather, you just can't beat it right now, Aslan. It's fall. It's football weather. A little tinge of uh, crispness in the air. Uh, Thanksgiving right around – well, Halloween, then Thanksgiving right around the corner. You just can't beat this time of year, buddy. Yeah. NBA started. The World Series is about to start. The football team we cover is undefeated, 7-0. and They are. Number four in the country. Does it get any better than this?
1: No, man. Maybe if it was like a high of 70 as opposed to a high of in, in the 80s, but I'm really not complaining mm. about that. I like it, man. I know some people want a little chillier, but I'm fine with the 80s. I like the heat. it's my It's where my people are from. It's what I've grown up in, so – I like it a lot. Hey, speaking of this football team being 7-0, any doubt in your mind? Really weird to come out the gates of this one. Any any doubt in your mind whatsoever they're, they're better this year than they were last year?
2: Oh, uh, no, no doubt at all. Last year they didn't have Keon Coleman or Braden Fisk.
1: More talented, more talented, for sure. You know, they, they played LSU both the years. They beat LSU more convincingly this time around.
2: No. I, I feel they like played they Clemson both years, and they beat Clemson this time around. Right.
1: I feel like they beat Syracuse more convincingly last year, despite the fact they didn't score as many points. But yeah. the scoring okay. offense is higher, yep. and um, you know I guess we'll see this. This month will really tell it all. The forthcoming month of, of November, who knows what's going to happen here with Wake? Apparently, they're going to flip a coin on their quarterback situation. But um, yeah, I mean, like if you don't beat Miami forty five to ten, doesn't mean you're not better than you were last year. Uh, I'm just not bracing for that. Uh, and I don't know if they'll score 45 against the Gators in the Swamp, but they should still win that game. So I don't know. Something I was thinking about, just I was chewing on it, Corey. Because um, here we are, man. We're 7-0. Like, this is real. Like, it's happening. All these, these scenarios are real. Um, you know? Drink it in, everybody. Drink it in. Thought about this yeah. one, too, uh, on the Rosillo podcast. I know it's a net positive going to 12 football teams, but think about a season like this. Where Georgia plays in the East, their crossover in the West wasn't all that stout. I mean, they got Auburn. Um, but like say they were to lose to Florida this week and then lose to Tennessee, they would still be in the playoff probably, right? They would still probably be a top 12 team yeah. and they'd have a, they'd have the right to play for a national championship somehow. Maybe not the actual game, but they, they'd be in the thick of it. I don't know how I feel about that. Still don't know how I feel about that, Corey.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I think I would equate it to, uh, you know, look, it's still going to be cool. It's still college football, but it's going to be like the major league playoffs compared to what they used to be. Like we talked about, I guess it was last week. It used to just be the best record in the National League, won the National League, and they played the best record in the American League, which was always the Yankees. So the Yankees were in the World Series every year by like September 1st. They knew they were going to the World Series. Um, I, you know, I don't know that that was the best for the sport. I do like the fact that more teams will have a chance to compete for a championship. Uh, you think about this year, man. It, it also, like, let's just look at the way college football is now, man. It's just, it's too hard to ask a team to go undefeated. Like, Florida State's not afforded a bad day. Like, if they go up in Wake Forest and just somehow knock it on wood, turn the ball over six times, get a pump blocked, lose 31 to 27, they don't deserve to play for a championship because a one slip up? Like I don't think that was fair either. I don't. I don't think that was the best way to do it. Because football, you know, it's especially with the with the parity and and the way college football is now. I think it's just too much to ask for one team to go undefeated or one team to lose one. You know, if you lose one game, you're gone. Or if if, if in the case of uh, Florida State, if they lost a week, if Georgia lost two games but still won the SEC. Mm. I, you know, I I think they would deserve a chance to go win a championship. That'd be like the Eagles not being able to the 49ers now, because they've lost twice mm. in a row. They don't get to go play for the Super Bowl. I don't think that's necessarily the best way to run this sport either. Because it is the NFL light. We might as well treat it like the NFL, but we are losing something. Yeah. I, I get it. Um I, I have an older age, I you know in hindsight, it's probably, you know, just looking back, you're always fond of the things from your past and your childhood Looking back, I it, it you know I just look I do look at back that with some innocence and some fondness. Like every game did matter, those Saturdays did matter. I don't like the regular season be de, being devalued as much, but I also do like the thought of a of a deserving champion, as opposed to BYU in nineteen eighty four, as opposed to Colorado in nineteen ninety. Um, you know, pick another one. Florida, Florida's never had an undefeated season. Losers. Um, yeah, exactly. So I do like this better. Uh, but I, I get it. And next year, I was thinking about that because I actually listened to that Rassilo pod too. Well, I listened to when he was talking to Feldman. You know, and, and I can't help but look ahead to next year when they're only when they're talking about the 2024 season. I'm like, man, what Florida State? You know, if he if he reloads this roster, if if these guys get better, um, maybe Hakeem and Destin turn into freaks. Maybe you get Johnny or Keon somehow to come back. What if they, they, they could, they could make the playoff next year. They could be not as good a team, but still go 10 and two, win the ACC and make the playoff. I think that's cool. I think that's cool to have something to fight for. Probably won't win a championship, but you never know, get in the tournament and see what happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the Niners. Because that's what made me kind of think about it. Watching the the Monday shows on ESPN and just about, Oh, you know, Brock Purdy never lost a game. Now he's lost two in a row. They're trouble in San Fran? And it's like, golly, chill out. No, there's not. But, like, in college football, you would say that, though. You'd be like, yeah, they're, they're, in, they're in a tailspin. This is bad. But starting next year, it's going to be like, eh, they'll be all right. They'll probably go on a good run here. You know, they, they still have one more loss probably they can budget in here if they can find a way to make it to their conference championship game. And then they'll make it to the playoff. And then, you know, who knows what's going to happen from there? It's going to be a recalibration here. So...
2: Yeah. Um, it's going to be weird to get used to. Yeah. Uh, to, to To knowing that, like, right now... Right now, Miami... Next year at this point, if Miami had the exact same season it's having right now, would still technically be in the playoff hunt. They're 5-2, and whatever they are. If they went out this year and finished 10-2 and two with a win at Florida State, even if they don't go to the ACC championship game, which I guess they probably couldn't, they're right there on the cusp of probably in the top 15. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the top 15, well, that's close to the top 12, and you got a fighting chance to get into the playoff. So... You know, it's going to you're right. It's going to take some uh, relearning the sport and understanding like NFL. You're going to have to be like an NFL fan. Like when you lose a game in September, October in the NFL. Oh, well, big deal. Or any game, you know, it it, you know, as long as you get in the day, as long as you get in the playoff, you got yourself a chance. And so all these teams, especially in the SEC and Big Ten, I, I would say any SEC team that goes 10 and two. Is going to have a very, very, very good shot of being in the playoff for years to come. Yeah.
1: And just last thing on that, like, would you, I don't know, like, I feel like six months ago, if you would to ask me this, I'd be like, absolutely not, no way. But I feel like there's legitimate, you, you probably do still have a legitimate shot even as a number 12 team, because we would always talk about the difference between yeah. number four, yeah. five, and six was like this, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a margin to where you probably still could have won the national top. But man, if we're talking about, 13, 14, not making the playoff. We're not going to feel bad for you because there's you probably have no shot. But like I don't know, man. like a Georgia this year, getting me like if Brock Bowers out for four weeks, you end up going on a losing skid, but you get him back, you probably still could get hot and win three, four games and win a national title. So like six months ago, I'd have been like, we're never gonna see anybody ranked under seven win a national title. But I bet within the first five years, we'll see a double digit team probably win.
2: Yeah, you know, you just look at it now. Like, Georgia's the number one team in the country. Ole Miss is number 12. Well, they're about to, they're going to play each other in a few weeks. Uh, you know, you would not be stunned if Ole Miss won that game. You'd be surprised. Georgia's going to be favored, but that's not as stunning. And, and, you know, Utah is 13th. Oregon State is 11th. Penn State is 10th. Like, yeah, all those teams would have a chance to go on a run, win three or four games in a row, and win a championship. I think that's great for the sport. I think it's cool that, like – Right now, UNC's still got a chance. Missouri's still got a chance. LSU's 15th. If LSU wins out, they're top 10. They would they would go to the playoff, even though they lost twice in September. I think that's good for the sport. I just think it's going to take an adjustment to get used to. But that being said, I think it's cool moving forward with Florida State because I do think this guy's the right guy. I do think he's going to load up this roster. He knows how to win. He's going to have to find himself a quarterback. But they could and should be good enough to be in, the, be in contention for a playoff spot for years to come. And that's cool. That's cool. I don't think they're going to be a top-five team next year, but I think they can be a top-15 team and win a game, You know, beat Florida and Clemson at home. You know, you got yourself a chance to get in the playoff, baby.
1: Speaking of quarterbacks, we spoke to John Dell, as we mentioned in the open, uh, from the Winston-Salem Journal. We recorded that a little bit earlier in the week before Dave Clawson had his press conference yesterday afternoon. Uh, sounds like he's going to he's going to keep things close to vest here, Corey. But he did say that Mitch Griffiths, the starting quarterback going into the season, who uh, was not available last week in that victory against Pitt. Uh, he's practicing. So is Santino Marucci. Uh, they both have a, a shot to play uh, that add any trepidation to your journey with Irish O'Fell to Snuggy Hill come up this weekend.
2: Uh, no, I, I mean, I think you'd probably have a better chance against the, the third stringer. But he's, you know, he's probably feeling pretty good after leading a last-minute touchdown drive to win a game. Um, probably feeling like, he, hey, he's, he's unbeatable. Um, and the Griffiths kid was not playing well. It's not like he got, he got, I think he got benched, right? He
1: did, yes. yes.
2: Yeah, so he was not playing well. They were not playing well with him. They, honestly, against Pitt, didn't play well at all until the final three minutes of the game. Um, and they they won the game thanks to a, quarterback not knowing to dive instead of slide. But they did win the game, credit to them. But no, again, this is not the difference between you know, what's that kid's name at Boston College, the other quarterback, Moorhead? Morstead.
1: Yeah, Morehead. Look, look at you. Evan Moorhead, look at you, Corey. Yeah, that was A C C my guy.
2: That's what I do, baby. It's not the difference between Moorhead and Castellanos. You know, these are kind of similar dudes. I don't know that one runs more than the other. I don't think any either one of them are great running threats. You would assume Griffiths runs the offense better just because he's been there longer. But he was not running it well. It was not a smooth operation before he got there or, or before he left the starting lineup. So, no, I don't think this is the same as last week, Riley Leonard. And I, you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. the discrepancy yeah. is that vast between those two guys. And I don't think it should change the way you prepare for the offense.
1: I know we were wringing hands yesterday talking about fourth down plays, but you did ask coach, because I'm bringing this up, because you mentioned Pitt losing that game because they didn't know to dive head first as opposed to sliding uh, to get that first down next to the chains. But you asked coach Norvell if that's something that they practice or they're aware of, and, man, he was, um, yeah, he was very animated in his, his response and, and, and emphatic that that is something that they indeed do not necessarily practice, but they're aware of. Have we ever seen Jordan dive head first? I can't remember the last time we saw Jordan dive headfirst. I haven't seen him slide all that much. Uh, he'll find his way out of bounds, seemingly. I, I know the Florida game maybe stands out, and that's what he referenced in his answer to you. But um, certainly I, I would at least trust that they use that as a teaching moment. If they hadn't yeah. stressed it enough before then, I'm sure this week, speaking to Jordan, they're like, hey, man, if we're in that situation, dive, don't slide.
2: Yeah, he's done it a few times. I actually asked the question a couple of weeks ago because he'll get near people and then slide down real quick. Do like the the baseball slide real quick. You know, he got targeted the one game. Was that Virginia Tech maybe where the kid was kicked out of the game for hitting him in the helmet after he slid? And he did it um, Saturday night against Duke. His first run... On that long touchdown drive, he ran for uh, 11 yards and slid down. And really, I thought he got a favorable spot there by the letter of the law and by how they usually mark it when he slides. But the, the reality is on first down, it doesn't really matter that much if you slide or dive. But for the people that don't know, so when you start your slide, the rule is if you slide like you're just picture, you know, the baseball slide, the ball is marked. Where The the ball is marked where it is when you start your slide. When you start to lean back, wherever they deem the ball to be is where the ball is spotted. So you might slide. Let's say the you run to the 25 and slide to the 28. Well, they're probably going to mark it at the 24 and a half because that's where the ball was when you started your slide. And that's exactly what happened to Pittsburgh. All he had to do was get to the 25-yard line and they win the game. It's a first down. Wake has no not enough timeouts. So, but the rule is, if you start your slide, it's where you start your slide. He started a half yard short, so they punted. If he, if you dive forward, like lead, like think of like Pete Rose sliding into third, hmm. dive that way forward, like Superman. The ball is where it is when you land, so it's an extra three yards, and it's safe that way. So that's what I asked Norvell about. I've never seen Nor, I've never seen Jordan Travis do that, but I've also I don't remember him ever quite being in a spot like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I would hope Jordan Travis would be smart enough in that instance, if he has any question at all, to just run out of bounds.
1: Yeah, he would have ran past the chains. Like he would have ran past yes. the marker.
2: Yeah, and then and then don't slide at all. Just yeah. run out of bounds or dive forward to stop the clock. But dive forward, don't slide because the ball doesn't go backwards when you dive forward. So that's what I asked Norvell about, and he said, yeah, they have talked about it. It might come up, man. There is a good chance one of these next five games they are going to need a first down to ice a game. And I think their best weapon when they're trying to run out of clock is the legs of number 13. And I just hope he knows because I've never seen him do it, but Norvell said he has. I hope he knows get past that first down marker, get way past it and slide. Or if you're near it, dive forward. You just don't want to dive into a collision. You don't want to lead with your head. But the difference with the the pit game is there was nobody near him to hit him in the head. If he dove forward, you know what I mean? Like, there was no risk of a, yeah. of getting hit, so he should have d- dove forward or dived forward, and he did not, and they lost the game, and Wake Forest won it.
1: I still love his, <laughs> I love the celebration. It was subdued, but it was very like, yeah, I got it. All right, ice that, boys. Let's go. Let's go home mm-hmm. with this dub, yeah. and all yeah. of a sudden, like, nope. Nope, that's not the case. That's not the case. Vitaminergy.com, promo code Bogo. that's B-O-G-O, buy one, get one, free, multi-packs, variety packs. Maybe something specialized. You want to focus on your workout, focus on your focus, focus on your mood, your immune system. It's all there for you. Even an eight-hour sleep shot. Maybe you already got that natural stuff pumping through. You just need help winding down at night. Oh, that's there. Sometimes they even throw it in free for your order because they know you're from WarChant. So use that promo code, WarChantBogo, B-O-G-O. Shout out to our guy over on the islands, our guy Ralph. Aloha, Ralph. Uh, Ralph says the other day he was uh, at the old 7-Eleven. And Mm. guess what they had at the counter as he was checking out? They had a little display of vitamin energy, guys. Look at that. Okay,
2: not in Hawaii?
1: Yeah, man. They had the vitamin energy Focus Plus in the berry and tropical infusion flavor, the B12-14000 in the acai pomegranate flavor as well. So, uh, yeah, they had four different varieties on the shelf there. Next to the, the competitor, that only gives you five weirdos. So, that's awesome, man. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate that, man. Get yourself some, everybody. You don't have to go to Hawaii and 7-Eleven. You can just get it from the comfort of your home. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WarchampBogo, B-O-G-O. Energy with benefits, shake it and take it. VitaminEnergy.com. All right, let's talk about practice on Tuesday. It was fun. Some big plays early on in practice, I thought. Corey, period three. uh, Tate Rodemaker connected with Keon Coleman. A little bit Say Hey Kid style, like over-the-shoulder Willie Mays-esque catch uh, by Keon's doing things that Keon does and then AJ Duffy of all dudes connecting with Jackson West of all dudes uh, Proud of Huntsville Alabama uh, coach Norvell had some good things to say about Jackson West's uh, progress here you know revealed that he was dealing with some injuries in fall camp but is starting to kind of come on likes what he can be has a bright future here um you know you couldn't tell any difference between practice yesterday and practice a week ago as they were going into a primetime showdown against a ranked team that had a lot riding on in terms of conference positioning. And now you're playing a four and three team. That's one and three in conference, sleepy nooner. I mean, I don't know how much that's like being a mature team buy-in, you know, buying into the messaging that, you know, it's, it's you versus you, not you versus the opponent, but uh, anything else uh, that stood out from practice to you on Tuesday core that you want to share with the class?
2: Uh, no, not Really? Yeah. I thought Du Span looked good. Me um, did. yes. You know, there are, he's so fast that uh, there were a couple times in one-on-ones where he's five yards past someone, but the throw, they can't throw it far enough. Like, he, he always has to come back to the ball because he's so fast. And I don't know, you know, that hasn't come into play yet this year, and who knows if it will. I don't think they've taken a deep shot with him all year. But these quarterbacks have to learn you got to throw it quicker Uh, because if you're going to wait for him to get five yards open, he's running at such a high rate of speed that unless you have Patrick Mahomes' arm, you're not going to be able to get it. He's going to have to come back to the ball. He probably won't catch it, but he probably will get a pass interference. Uh, But it's just he made a couple really nice hands catches. He made uh, two nice catches and one-on-ones. And, you know, Norvell talked about it on Monday Uh, at his press conference that he could see on Sunday that Deuce was bubbling with a little more confidence, a little more bouncy, bouncing his step. Because you just, you can't overstate how important that is. You know, you have the talent, you know, you have the size and the speed, but if you've never done it in front of people, you don't know if you can do it in front of people. And then all of a sudden he has one of the biggest plays of the year. How could that not fill him with confidence? Like, oh yeah, I can do this. I can make plays. This speed does translate. I am a good player And confidence is so important it really is and uh you know him having some now and is there a chance for him to play this weekend I don't know probably but I would like I it's it's good to see it would be nice to see him take advantage uh, of this opportunity and of this newfound confidence cuz you know he did look like a different receiver to me man like there are times over the last month where he's just to me I've just kind of like not even paid attention to him just kind of a forgotten dude he has that kick return, and then it's—I don't think it's a coincidence that the next practice that we get to watch is his be- In my opinion, his best practice of the year. Like he just—he they couldn't cover him, and when they did cover him, he still snatched balls away and made catches. I just thought it was really impressive, man. I thought he looked—I uh, thought he looked really good um, in the one-on-one portion that I saw, anyway. So uh, that's good to know because there aren't many guys, there aren't many colleges in the country. What would you say Deuce is on this team? The sixth receiver? You know, obviously, Johnny Keon, Kintron plays more than him. Darian plays more than him. Uh, Destin plays more than him. Ja'Kai. Ja'Kai. You know. So seventh? Yeah, I know they play 12. different positions. I get it. but
1: And Hakeem like, looks poised to maybe. Yeah, Hakeem, you
2: know. I think, has more catches than him this year. So he might be the seventh or eighth receiver on your depth chart if you're just ranking, like, production. And he's six four and runs like a world class sprinter. Like they just they and I know he's not one, but there there aren't dudes like there aren't colleges that have a dude span essentially running third string. So let's see what happens with him these next four or five games. Um, and we don't even talk about Van mm. and he might end up being awesome, awesome. Um, so we'll see, man, we'll see. But that I thought to me um, that was that was a. Uh, that was cool to see deuce pick up where he from the from the game on saturday and there was a cool moment i saw on uh it's just it is it is what it is when you have jared burst this is just how practice works sometimes they were doing these blocking drills and jackson west kind of he didn't pancake jared burst but he came close to doing it he really kind of gave him the business hmm. and so i look over and they're ch- they're chatting back and forth And Jackson West is telling him about it. And then Burst starts talking. And I can't remember who got in between them. It might have been Edmund. I can't remember. Oh, Edmund went up and dapped Jackson West, I think, to say good block or whatever. And Jackson West was talking to Edmund. Verse was right there. I have no idea what they were saying. They were 50 yards from me. Um, But I was like, okay, I want to watch this next rep. Jaron Burst doesn't get pushed back much. And he certainly doesn't get talked to after that happens much. And I wanted to see what it looked like with Jared Verse kind of being mad and and wanting to prove a point. And I just, I will go ahead and say it looked exactly how anybody listening to this would (laughs) think it would look. It was not Jackson West's best rep. After he had a great rep, Jared Verse reestablished dominance very, very quickly. And you just sometimes forget, and I don't think he played great on Saturday. He played fine. He's played very good all year, I think. But he was not an impact player on Saturday night. But he is absolutely an impact player. And you forget just how freakishly strong that guy is. And he, Jackson West didn't forget it. Uh, It was very, very impressive. That guy is so explosively strong. It's crazy.
1: Do you think we'll start seeing more of that, that dynamic pressure that we've been hoping for towards the end of the season here now?
2: Yeah, you know, look, I thought you saw it out of Patrick Payton. Um, I thought he had a really good game on Saturday night, pass rushing. Jared Burst has been exceptional against the run, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, I think, look, you have Griffiths or what is the great Santucci <laughs> playing this week. Neither one of them are, uh, you know, Michael Vick running the ball. You have the Pit kid who is not Michael Vick running the ball. You have Tyler Van Dyke probably if he's playing he's not a guy that you have to worry about busting, you know, busting through the line and rushing for 30. Oh, yeah. He'll hang, he'll hang out all day. He, he invites him. He, he, he wants not feel it. Yeah. He's got a little Bledsoe in him. Like, he'll, <laughs> you know, you can get a couple of sacks on him every he's a, game. He's a massacre. So, so, and then the Mertz. So you've got, you've got the, can you the say last that name five games. Just Mertz? No, Mertz has had, Mertz has actually had a good year, man. Not he's not, certainly better than the, name. the Wisconsin transfer that this program got, oh, yeah. um, a few years ago. But, Man, I I want to see these last five games are it's it's a he can kind of pin his ears back. You don't have to worry about a Cassianos or even a Klubnik or a uh, um, Jaden Daniels or you know Riley Leonard was getting it out so quick he didn't sit in the pocket a ton. So uh, you know I just I think yes I think you will start to see him make a more of an impact with pressures and sacks than he has so far because he's facing more statuesque, let's say, quarterbacks. I mean, they're not horrible athletes by any stretch, but they're not the guys they were facing earlier in the year either.
1: Post-practice interviews, Lawrence Toffoli, Tatum Bethune. I know you were hanging around Tatum, but you know the, the thing with Lawrence that caught me off guard, not off guard, but uh, the pleasant part of the interview is always pleasant. Lawrence is a great young man. Um, I don't know if it's a, a cultural thing, like in terms of what Mike Norvell and, and David Johnson, the staff have established or uh, like a, a generational thing almost. But I feel like, you know, James Wilder and Devonte Freeman got along. Like, you know, there was, there was, you know, everybody was happy spreading the ball around. Uh, but there's a real sense and maybe it goes against, you know, what I would believe. I, I would just believe these guys have really big egos and they deserve it. They put in all this hard work. They sacrifice their bodies. And, they're up at five in the morning, you know, they want to be able to, you know, make plays constantly. They want to be the guy that's relied upon uh, in, in situations where it was the first quarter or the fourth quarter and Lawrence or um, gets limited opportunities, but continues to make the most of it and has absolutely no qualms with it whatsoever. I, I just feel like, I don't know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that would have seemed kind of crazy, Uh, Like they would have been just playing the good soldier in front of all of us, but then probably grumbling about it off camera. But I like really believe when he talks about like, yeah, man, like I'm just ready whenever and I'm good with whatever. Um, I don't know how much that's just like, is that a kids maybe a little bit more mature than we think these days? Or just, is that a tribute to David Johnson and Mike Norvell and and the, the culture they've set?
2: Well, I, I, or maybe it's just specific to the players they recruit. Like maybe they Mm. recruit guys that are like this, um, you know, look, even Keon Coleman, man, like, you, you know, and, and I don't think we talked about Jaheim Bell, too. Like, uh, apparently, Jaheim Bell didn't love blocking at South Carolina and didn't like much about um, that offense at all, it would appear, his last year there. Well, he's embraced it this year, man. You watch the uh, watch Jordan Travis's first touchdown um, against Duke. Well, his only touchdown running against Duke that gave him the lead. Jaheem Bell's waving him, like, follow me. He's the lead blocker, and he's saying, "Follow me," and he pushes that kid almost into the bricks on the block. So he, I, I and Keon Coleman does it too. And I, you know, I don't know if it, I, I'm sure the culture has something to do with it because you, if you, if you go out there and don't block on this team, if you're a wide receiver or if you're a guy that's selfish, I've said it before about the basketball team—you stand out. When when the FSU basketball team was rolling, rolling. If they would have had a selfish dude that moped and pouted because he didn't get minutes or he didn't get shots, he would have stuck out, man. And they would have all made fun of him in the film room. And I and I think that kind of that is now that you could apply that to the Florida State team. If you got a guy that's that's about carries or touches or lack thereof, man, that's that's not gonna bid it in that locker room. I mean, Keon Coleman is maybe going to be a top 15 pick. He had a game where he had zero catches. Johnny Wilson had a game where he had zero catches. Now he had a few drops, he had a few targets, but they've all sacrificed. Jaheim Bell's had games where he didn't have a catch or he had one catch. Jordan Travis has had games where he's thrown 15 passes. And then what I what I like about it, but I but I think Toa Feely is a special kind of kid. Like I don't want to dismiss that what he is, because I I, I just you're right. I just love everything about the him as a football player. Because he is willing to do everything. He is willing to be a punt cover guy, a kick cover guy. He's willing to go catch balls. He's willing to go line up in the slot. He's willing to go run hard between the tackles. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. He's just, you're going to miss him when he's gone. He is such a valuable part of this team. I don't think he's underrated. I think people listening to this show realize how valuable he is to the program. It's just cool to have a guy like that, that doesn't ever uh, gripe, at least that we know of, about his carries or touches. But also... I don't think Trey Benson does either. I don't want it to sound like Toa Feely's like the, the oh, outlier. Well,
1: I'm just like yeah, talking I about who we spoke to yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
2: right. But I, I, I bring that up because I watched the cinematic recap that they did, which, again, all these colleges and pro teams are doing them now. I, I, it, they're great. It's awesome for the fans, so go watch them. But they 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 had the camera on the bench after Kraziah's touchdown in the first half. And Benson just has the biggest smile on his face when he's sitting down next to him. And I just, and, and, um,
1: you asked Atkins about that, didn't you? Or was it Ira that asked about it? I on think Monday? Ira
2: might've, but I, yeah. I think, um, somebody, maybe it was Atkins that was talking about Deuce and how everybody was so happy for Deuce. Maybe it was Papuchis. I don't know. But he's like, that's, what's so cool is how happy they are for each other. And he goes, it's not fake. Cause if it's fake, you can smell it, but it's real, genuine, uh, authentic happiness for their teammates. Like, everybody was excited for Deuce because they know he's a good player and they know he's been waiting to make a play. And I just think that can permeate an entire team where they're all really excited and happy for each other. And that's what I see out of that team. There's not a lot of griping. There just isn't, if there is any at all. Um, You know, and it helps that Johnny Wilson doesn't ever say a peep about anything. Like, he is the most um, casual, big-time receiver that... you've ever seen Yeah, not like a lot he of catches the ball. Him. He gets yeah, up, yeah, yeah. you know, he flips the ball back to the ref. He, you know, he's just, he, he's just, and I, I just think all that, uh, all that matters. And Toa Feely is just kind of the, uh, a perfect illustration of kind of the selflessness you need on a team like this, when you have this many weapons, because they can't all eat every game.
1: John Dell come up here in a minute, talking wake forest football. But first a reminder, my bookie.ag it's spooky season. Use the promo code WORKSHAN when you sign for the first time. Instant cash deposit bonus. Uh, some of the game's not available right now, so I want to see this one, Corey. They have conference winners. Florida State minus 187.
2: Mm.
1: That that feels very safe and pretty fair in terms of value. Uh, I mean, obviously, you always want to see the plus next to something, but let's be honest. I mean, they're, they're alone atop this conference right now. North Carolina, second smallest, shortest odds, second best odds, plus 300. Um, I feel like you could put a large sum of money on Florida State to win the conference and probably feel pretty good about it, but I don't want to jinx it. that just jinx it, okay, the Corey?
2: Don't, yeah, don't do it. Don't okay. jinx it. All right. Uh, Big
1: Ten, Michigan plus 101, Ohio State plus 240, Oklahoma plus 101, Texas plus 110, Washington odds-on favorite in the pack, uh, and then the SEC, Georgia minus one forty nine. So look at that. You've you've got better odds of win your conference than Georgia does. Look, look, look how far we've come. Feels good to be back. Feels really good. Texas A and M plus eight thousand. Florida plus seven thousand. Slim odds. Slim yeah, very odds.
2: slim. Very slim.
1: Ole Miss plus thirty five hundred. If you want to get reckless. That's a that's an op. It's a possibility. And plus thirty five hundred is a nice number. But yeah, they're gonna have to beat A and M. And then uh make it to Atlanta and beat Georgia, probably. So anyhow, just one man's thoughts. Live betting, live casino, futures, it's all there. MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code WarChamp for your instant cash deposit bonus. Bet anything anytime anywhere. John Dell, Winston Salem Journal talking deeks coming up right after this. Welcome back in everybody. Wake up, WarChamp, presented by the corner pocket bar and girl. We got John Dell from the Winston Salem Journal joining us here on the program. John, thanks for taking time out. How are things up in North Carolina?
0: Very nice. Very good weather. We're in the 70s all week, and this is why we live in North Carolina.
1: <laughs> all right. We had a little bit of fall last week, and now it's back into the 80s for like the next 10 days. So Florida gets what Florida deserves or something like that. So uh, noon game between Wake Forest and Florida State. John, just kind of big picture. Um, how are things? Is it par? Uh, are they underperforming expectations? Obviously, Sam Hartman leaving the program probably affected things, but being four and three, Overall, one and three in conference right now this part of the season. Would you say uh, Wake Forest is on track, or maybe a little bit behind the pace they thought they'd be able to sustain?
0: I think they're they're behind a little bit, only in that everyone thought that Mitch Griffiths was going to be the answer at quarterback. He had showed some uh, some good play in his limited time. You know, Sam Hartman was pretty durable, uh, but Mitch struggled. Uh, he, he tries to almost do too much in one play, and I think that's what. Uh, that's what uh, fell out of favor with the coaching staff. Um, so the, in reality, maybe they should have five wins so they're not too far behind, but it's just a case of their offense has kind of been missing in action. and I think they the last two years they have the highest scoring years in school history. So it's kind of a kind of a you know a wake up call for the wake fan base just because they're not scoring at will like they did in the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, that Sam Hartman kid was all right, uh, apparently. I, mean, I guess you know they obviously knew there was going to be a little bit of a drop-off, but probably not this much. So has Griffiths been replaced due to injury? Was it ineffectiveness in that game against uh, Georgia Tech, I think, where he really uh, sort of turned the ball over? Or uh, where do you think they stand right now with uh, the quarterback situation after Santino Marucci with a real nice comeback win this past weekend?
0: Well, he was replaced for ineffectiveness in the Virginia Tech game. Uh, Georgia Tech, he played all the played all the way through. Uh, He was he was replaced. He was replaced. And then Michael Kern, his backup, who seemingly I think has been here longer even than Mitch. uh, He got hurt. So then Mitch had to go back in at the end of the Virginia Tech game. But then he got hurt again at the end of the Virginia Tech game or even he probably shouldn't have went in. um, So he he wasn't even in uniform in Santino. Mariucci I call him the great Santino I don't -hmm. know if you're old enough to remember the great Santini the movie with Robert Duvall but he uh, engineered quite a comeback it's uh you know it was just uh, unbelievable that he was able to despite throwing a late interception he came back and let him down on the you know winning drive with seven seconds to go so that was one of the more unbelievable games that I've seen it over there at Wake Forest but you know the bottom line is they won they've got some confidence and they're going to need every bit of that confidence going against Florida State, because Florida State is fast. That's the thing that you notice with the Seminoles, and can Wake Forest keep up with that that pace? I, I you know, that's that's going to be what uh, what maybe is the thing that uh, sets Florida State apart when you talk about with with against Wake Forest. Yeah.
1: I know Murray turned the ball over a few times, but as you mentioned, you know he engineered that game winning drive, and I saw the clips of the of the locker room after the game. I know everyone's always excited after a win, but. I don't know if they feel like maybe he gave them some kind of spark and something to build off of, or do you think the coaching staff's almost treating that as a one-off and they're hoping that Mitch has been able to reboot himself and and, and find his way?
0: Well, that'll be the, uh, the question this week. I don't know that he'll answer him because he wants to keep it close to the vest to kind of keep Florida state guessing. Um, but you know, it, when Michael Kern got hurt and, and Mitch wasn't playing, they didn't have any quarterbacks and now Kern probably won't be back this week. He may be back in a couple of weeks, but, now they sort of have three, so they have some some options out there, which is uh, not what they thought about a couple weeks ago. So Santino's just kind of the—he's a gunslinger. He likes to like to thro- likes to throw it deep. Now Warren Ruggiero's offense doesn't really call for throwing it deep, but he likes to throw the ball all over the field, and he did a pretty nice job the other night in, in his first start. So it, it does give them a little more options, and he's you know he's fresh. He's he's well rested, that's for sure. So um, I think that just gives them a little. You know, a little option there with uh, if Mitch is able to go. And if Mitch can play, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they played him both uh, on Saturday.
1: And this offensive line's got so much experience. Uh, they're grading out really well, according to Pro Football Focus. The run offense is kind of on par of what they've been in years past one of the tackle spots seems to be a little bit of a weak link. Is it, is the offensive line holding them back? Or is it ultimately the, the lack of a passing game that doesn't have this offense clicking on all cylinders like we'd seen in years past?
0: Well, the, what we've gathered is a couple of the, the tackle play hasn't been as good as it needs to be on the offensive line. And I think stretching the field hasn't been an option because I lost Donovan green in a preseason injury. <laughs> he was their, uh He was really their, their stretch guy and he got hurt. And so he's, uh, he hasn't been there all year. And they really don't have a, a breakout. Jamal Banks is pretty good, but he's not fa- as fast as as Donovan Green or as physical. So they, they've kind of been hurt with the with the stretch plays. They haven't had many explosive plays on offense where, you know, they, they had those in years past. So that's kind of hurt them as the, re- the wide receivers aren't as strong as in past years.
1: Still got that one-two punch at running back, though. Uh, you know, obviously with Justice Ellison and uh, Damon Claiborne, uh, have they been uh, as productive as needed?
0: They, yeah, they've struggled in a couple games when Wake fell behind and they didn't have any running game and they had to just try to win with the pass. And if if Wake Forest is balanced, you know, between the run and the pass and they're they're picking up yards, that's the whole key to that kind of that uh, run, not a run-shoot, but the run-pass run, run pass option offense. And w- when they're balanced, you know, Wake can beat anybody in the ACC. Now, even if they're balanced, can they beat Florida State? That's kind of the, the question. And I, I think one of the reasons this game's at noon because – Wake has to turn around and play the next Thursday night at Duke. So, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been really fair for Wake and Florida State to play a night game on Saturday. So, I've, that does bode well, I guess for the next game because that would have been a short time frame, but I know Coach Clausen was hoping for a noon game and that's what they got.
1: This defense, uh, I don't know, sneaky good. Is that can we can we say that about this unit or is it uh is it kind of tough to tell because maybe they haven't played the most explosive offenses in this conference yet?
0: No, it's keeping them in games. It's it's the best defense they've had, I think, in the in the last few years. I mean, Brad Lambert, he's in his second year as the uh, defensive coordinator. Of course, Coach Lambert was the uh, defensive coordinator when Jim Grobe was here a few years ago when they won the ACC title. Uh, which, by the way, since they started the ACC title game, Wake Forest is still the only North Carolina school to mm-hmm. win the ACC title just throwing that in there which is I know the, the Carolina fans don't want to hear that the NC State fans don't want to hear it and neither do the Duke fans but that's a, a good little tidbit that Wake is the only in-state school in North Carolina to win the ACC title but Brad Lambert's second year and they're, they're really playing lights out for him the linebacker play has been tremendous Jacob Roberts is a graduate transfer from North Carolina AT, and he's and uh, he's probably their best defensive player so they've they've really done a good job in defense. and the secondary stayed healthy and they're really good too. They they're, they're going to have to be good, you know, facing uh facing Travis.
1: Are they just a sound and disciplined bunch uh or does Lambert mix in a lot of kind of exotic looks and pressures that that, that throw opponents off?
0: No, I think they're really uh really right in front of you. I don't think they do any any tricks or anything like that. They just they're just good good ball hawkers and they, you know, they don't miss a lot of tackles. I think that's one of the big things that Coach Lambert has stressed is that they don't miss a lot of tackles. Those secondary guys, when they when they get to someone, they usually bring them down, and that, I think that's been the key for you know for this year. And I know they they kept them in a couple of games. That Clemson game was right there. They played right right with Clemson. That defense kept them in the game. Um, they they were pretty vanilla on offense, just trying to stay in the game. And you know they almost pulled it out against the Tigers, which you know isn't that hard to do this year, obviously. But still, it's Clemson, Clemson.
1: In Death Valley, too. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to get credit for that. Uh, you know, you touch upon the secondary, keeping them in games and, and maybe being the backbone of the strength of it. But man, I didn't realize Kalen Carson was still around. I thought he was probably already in the NFL draft, but now he's he'll, he'll be a, a first round pick probably this upcoming season. But with Kalen Carson and Malik Mustafa and Nick Anderson, uh, I mean, just how talented is that bunch? And has that been what's been able to keep Wake Force in these games defensively, do you think?
0: Yeah, they uh, they they're really good cover guys too, and that that's kind of been key. And you know they're they're getting you know Kevin Pointer on defense. The defensive line has been has been dynamite, and that's kind of putting pressure on the passer. And that you know that helps the whole defense. And so they've uh, they've kind of got a, a, a nice mix right now. They had a couple injuries on uh, Saturday. We'll we'll see if they play this Saturday, but you know, everybody's hurt this time of year, even the coaches. Um, so you, you got to, if you, if you can play, you're going to be out there on Saturday. So it's, it's just been a really collective effort on defense and to their credit, you know, the defense never gave up. I mean, it, when the offense is struggling, I think they went, they went 12 quarters and and scored one touchdown or something, the offense. And so they've uh, the defense has hung kept them in there. And uh, that's, uh, that's kind of been the backbone backbone this year.
1: I don't know if you can say Wake Forest is coming to this game hot but it feels like they got some confidence probably from that that pit game. So probably about as good as you could hope for right now concerning all things.
0: Right. It's 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 better than the alternative. If they would have lost, they would have came in for on a four-game losing streak to play the fourth-ranked team in the country. That it would have been a long week around uh the Wake Forest uh practices, but this gives them some new life. It gives them some momentum. It gives them, you know, it gives them some hope. I mean, they they could they got five games left. If they can somehow get two more wins, that you know they get to a bowl game. So there, uh, there is definitely uh, a, a boost. Will it be enough against the, you know the the Seminoles, who obviously are the best team in the ACC this year? I, I don't know if that can happen on Saturday, but I don't know who is it. Who is it? This is why they play the game, I guess. A <laughs> mm.
1: yeah. uh, last thing, John, not to relitigate the past, but just what was the mood around the program one when Sam did leave? There seemed to be such a kind of a lag between the rumors of him departing and then him ultimately departing and, and just kind of the reality in which, which we live in with NIL and that's going to factor into things and just how they find themselves offensively. now.
0: You know, I don't think it was a, you know, I don't think the fan base was wants to, you know, torture the guy. I mean, he was here five years. He graduated. He's probably the best quarterback to ever play at Wake Forest. He wanted to maybe get his draft stock up a little and, you know, Notre Dame offered him a chance to go there. I mean, Anybody would take that chance. I mean, it, you know, and so if he ups his draft stock and he gets drafted, that that's great. And if he doesn't, well, you know, he went to play at a high level at Notre Dame for a year. So, you know, coaches and players don't always get along for five, six years at two. So maybe it was time for Sam to maybe move on. But, you know, I just think that, you know, if he was here for a year and then he left, sure, let's all be mad. But my God, the guy put in his time. He was a, you know, a warrior for this team. He got, sacked early in his career just like mitch is getting sacked now and i'm surprised he's able to walk around and you know so he he put a lot into the wake forest experience and i kind of am on the side like you know this is the era we're in so you either embrace it or you go find something else to do and something else to watch on saturday afternoons
1: all right i lied one last thing i've been asking everybody that on these uh, various beats in the acc Either give me a, a score game prediction, John, or will this be the last time Florida State plays at Wake Forest as a member of the ACC?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think it's the last time they'll play um, at Wake, but I do think that Florida State wins 34 21.
1: Oh, they're going to, oh, the Deke's going to cover y'all. Yeah. Be,
0: careful. <laughs> be careful.
1: John Dell from the Winston-Salem Journal joining us here on Wake Up War Channel. John, thanks so much for the time, man.
0: Thanks, guys. You guys have a good week.
1: Thanks to John Dell for hopping on, giving us some insight into the Demon Deacons. Thank you for listening, everybody. A reminder, Renegade Express going down tomorrow. Hop onto the Tribal Council of WarChant.com to submit your questions. Probably going to shut that thing down pretty quick. Uh, we've been getting lots of questions, which is great, but, you know, we want to try to keep it kind of kind of quick-moving, fast-paced, so uh, we'll keep it open there briefly. Maybe by 10 in the morning it might be shut off, but you're all up listening to this early because... You can't start your day without us, right? That's why we love you guys. Uh, That's a wrap, everybody. Jeff Cameron Show coming up 1 to 3 o'clock. We'll be out at practice, updates, videos, interviews, all that over at warchant.com. So tune in for that. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up War Champ. Presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.